Welcome to Real Estate Unscripted, where each week we connect no-nonsense, let's-get-it-done realtors and lenders from across the country who want to grow our businesses and stay motivated with timely topics and experts in our field. I'm your host, Marjorie Adam. Let's get started. Okay. Everyone, welcome to Real Estate Unscripted. I am beyond excited today to be able to welcome my friend, fellow realtor, Alan Huggins. Say hi, Huggies. Hey, hey, what's going on? So this is a treat for everyone because I've known Alan since 2008. We go way back, way back to the markets of yesteryear where we started in coaching together and we got to know each other and became really good friends. And so I'm excited for you guys to hear from him today because he not only is a fantastic realtor and team leader, he does property management, he does all kinds of things. We're not gonna focus on the scope of everything he does, but we're gonna work on some tactical things that Alan does that you can implement as well as some hints for the lenders listening about what we like and we don't like. So we're gonna get into that too. So Alan, thank you so much for being here today. It's good to see you. Always good to see you. Yeah. So Alan and I were on many calls together. We were super competitive. We would end the year maybe like $200 apart in net income. We were very competitive. The semester bet every year was the loser of the semester had to buy a drink for the next time we saw yes. each other. I felt like you I bought, bought me a lot drinks. of drinks. You're going to bring that up now, <laughs> really, Huggins? Seriously? You're welcome. I think you had to buy me a couple too. Okay. But yes, you were a great student. You are a great student. And so that's why I think them hearing from you is so fantastic. Plus, you're just like a young little whippersnapper. So just so y'all know, in case you can't see him, our little Alan is 43 years old. He started in real estate in 2003 before the pandemic, but he's like a young buck who's out there killing it. So you guys can learn from him. So you started in 2003. What were you doing in 2003, Huggies? I was a recent college graduate. I graduated from the University of Georgia about three months before and jumped into the real estate world. I had a family in the business, so I jumped in with my uncle, who was a broker at the time. And yeah, so it was a fun time, a lot of learning early. And as you and I were talking about earlier, didn't really know what was coming up when kind of 07 and 08 hit. So it was an interesting time. Yeah, well, I think none of us did, right? But even though we knew something was coming, we had some great years, sort of was like prior to what we're sort of facing now, although it's a very different market dynamic. We don't have the subprime mortgages. We just don't have the same atmosphere. But we all of a sudden, 2007, eight hits, and we think, "Uh uh-oh, it's just changed. And so you and I both, got into coaching at the same time. We both realized we need some strong accountability. We needed someone to really work with us and keep us grounded and help us through these market changes. And that's how we met back in 2008. We were both just young children back then. Just childs. (laughs) We were childs. What brought you into coaching? What made you think? So the funny thing is, if you really think about it, for those of you who are here, 2008 is not the time where you thought, well, I'm going to invest at least a couple thousand a month in coaching because the market's changing. But I also, at that point, I like to say was realtor of the year with my I love me plaques. Meanwhile, the IRS was sending me letters that they intended to levy my assets, which I don't know if you got any of those. Those are not, it's not a prize you're winning actually, but it's a time where you think, "Uh uh-oh, clearly I did not balance things well. I wasn't budgeting well. I wasn't paying attention to things I needed to, which is what brought me into coaching and also world's worst like figure of hiring and team structure. What brought you into coaching back then? Yeah. So I grew up playing sports, specifically baseball and basketball. And so obviously with both of those team sports, you're going to have a coach. I have always been a people pleaser. So 
for me, if a coach is kind of like your dad tells you you're disappointed, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. It's like, no, no, no. I don't want you to be disappointed. I'd rather you just yell at me, get it over with. So I needed somebody that was going to not only give me the playbook and do all that for me, but also hold me accountable to doing the work. Because if the coach tells you to do something and you just blatantly don't do it, quite frankly, it's just disrespectful. And that's the last thing I want to be thought of as somebody that's disrespectful. So it kind of pushes me to do better, to say, look, if I tell you I'm going to do that, I'm going to do it. And so for me, it was more having that accountability, having somebody looking over my business on a consistent level just to say, hey, do this, don't do this. And then once you say which one you're going to do or not do, now I'm going to hold you accountable to doing it. It's funny because most of coaching, I think people think, oh, I'm going to sign up for coaching and this magic door will open and the secret unicorn things will come out and it'll be like, no, no, no. Y'all know what you need to do. You've heard it before. It's just sort of when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. You realize, okay, it's time to commit to doing this, having someone accountable that's saying, turn this in to make sure you did it. We all have the best of intentions. And I think you and I are both highly super motivated, high D people. Like we're going to get it done, but not having someone guiding us through. There's so many things we need to do that really staying hyper-focused on the highest and best use of our time is not what we did. When you and I talked, it was like, you realize it's time for an assistant. You cannot get this done all by yourself. You need to hire. While you're like, ah, I'm paying for coaching, right? Like, hello. Yeah. 2008, the market's changing and now I'm going to spend more money, but it's really realizing the smart places to invest your money, which is having amazing team members to further that you can concentrate on what you want to concentrate on and really help you grow your business, right? And get you out of the things that you don't need to do. Talking further about coaching, one of the things that a mentor of yours and mine, he comes to town quite regularly and he would tell everybody everything he's doing. And one day I asked him, I said, why would you basically give away everything that you're doing? And he said, Alan, I do that because I know that 95% of these people are never going to do it. Correct. He's like, it's the 5% that do it that will take this and either join a coaching company or just better themselves by doing it. But 95% of the people in that room that we just left that will never implement any of it, or if they do, they'll implement it for about two months and then it'll never come back. Right. The hardest part is staying on track because, again, guess what's happening? It's December. And who gets busy in January? The gyms, right? Because, oh, I'm going to go to the gym. And as a benefactor of many gyms, but I mean, really, my name should be on most of them because (laughs) I never entered. Right. It was like, this Margie Gym. Do you go? Nope. I sure don't. <laughs> like, I've never been in there, but I paid for the bricks that you see. So it's sort of this intentionality. I mean to do it. I know it's good for me. No one's holding me accountable. And I think that you and I both know I have a trainer. If I don't, I went to lunch with her today to thank her for just putting up with me because I'm a little mouthy. I like to feel that I have a part in the decision making that I really don't. She is my boss. I know this. I like to talk back a little, but to thank her for just really putting up with me, frankly, during the year. But I think think that's the key, right? I think the more successful we've become, we both have had people holding us accountable in many different places, whether it's at home, whether it's with our coaches, right? So I think that's a key. So let's talk about 2023. And I think that 2023, Mm -hmm. I'm super excited about actually, I feel Mm -hmm. much more mentally prepared. I feel like I've been through it before. I'm going to go through it again. I feel much more positive and focusing on the opportunities than I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people feel. Let's talk about what have you been doing really in your team and within your business to prepare for 2023? What are some tactics given some people? 
Yeah, if I can go right back before we do that to the mindset that you were just talking about. One of the things that I was talking to somebody last week about this, with this market, it's going to be a harder market than we've experienced in a long time. And quite frankly, you and I have talked about this a lot of times. It's just like, we need to get a lot of these people out of the business. Well, that's going to happen, right? The problem is, is that for the first few months when things were shifting this year, things got really hard. And I thought, man, this was supposed to be easier. People were getting out of the business. So it was supposed to be easier. It's like, no, it's going to be the hardest market you've experienced in a while. So from a mindset standpoint, that's one thing that I realized more recently. It's just, this is going to be a hard market. It's going to inevitably give you everything that you want as far as getting a lot of these part-timers out of the business and stuff like that. But all in all, it's going to be a hard market. So to plan for that, we're really focused on a couple of things. So operationally, what can we do to make us more efficient and what can we do to save ourselves some money? Operationally, we really focused on our farming. We were spending roughly $2,000 a month on farming and we farmed the same neighborhoods for gosh, probably eight, 10 years. And we were averaging two or three deals. Now at those price points of about a million to a million and a half per deal, it's pretty easy to make good money off of farming, right? So Moving forward, we realized over the last two years, we haven't gotten any deals. So that's just been money down the drain. And so we switched up our marketing as far as the farming goes. We're going to make it a much smaller group, but a much more focused group. So we focus on a more luxury market here in Nashville. We focused on people with a certain high-priced home, and we're going to market to their place of business. Now, a lot of these guys are people that I know personally. I know they know me. They also know six other realtors. So if I can be the one in their office as opposed to their house, then hopefully that will give me a little bit of a leg up. That's the biggest thing. The other thing is the two biggest expenditures outside of my team are food and beverage, going to lunch, going to coffee, drinks with people, stuff like that, and then my country club. So the first thing is being more cognizant of if I go to Starbucks, do I get the latte or the coffee? Well, just get the coffee, right? Or if I really don't need a coffee, why don't I just get a cup of water? Every coffee shop's got a little jug over on the side. Just go get a cup of water, sit there with the person and do that. That's the first thing that I'm really focused on as far as just the numbers go. And then the second thing is with my country club. My country club is not cheap, but it is also a pretty massive piece of my business. 22% of my business this past year in 2022 will come directly from that country club. So when you look at the numbers there and you look at what I'm spending at the country club, but then you look at what I'm making, we'll do right at about 55 million this year. And I think almost 12 million of that alone will come out of the country club. So $350,000 in income off of one source. So we're really just focused on efficiencies and how we can save some money because things are going to get tough. The last thing I think you and I would both agree on this is the last thing I would want to have to do is let somebody go. I'm going to go down every avenue I can until that is the absolute last resort. But I have to do that now before what hits the fan, because if I don't do it now, then I'm going to be playing reactive as opposed to proactive. Yes. And I think that's the biggest thing. Do you do an end year end review with your team? Do you go through all the sales and where they came from and what activities or what expenses you had? Do they make sense? Yeah. So we don't do too deep of a dive as far as where the deals came from. So we'll only do about 53, 54 deals. So with that being said, there's not a lot that'll go into it. It's not like we're the 300 deal a a year person. So I can pretty much tell you the top five people that referred me business in about 15 minutes, which helps. Now, from an expenditure standpoint, I have been looking at the P&L probably the last three or four months pretty detailed and figuring out what are the consistencies, what are the inconsistencies, so what are those numbers that are going way up or way down or whatever, and what are those things that I'm spending the most money on outside of my team, right? So for me, like I said, it's rent, 
it's food and beverage, it's my country club. And then it's just really like supplies and subscriptions. So we're going to look at all our subscriptions. Do we need to subscribe to all these things? Yes, it's only 20 bucks a month, but there's 20 of them. There's right. 400 bucks a month right there just in those 20 subscriptions. So it's stuff like that that we're just really focused on being proactive on that now because quite frankly, we do have the time. It's not as busy this time of year. It won't be for probably another couple of months. So during this time, I've got to take the extra time and just go spend an hour in your office and look at your P&L. Yes. I agree. I think really this is the time of year. We're revisiting things. We're actually redoing our website. We're reworking our logo. We're doing a lot of things, some refreshing. I think it's the time to also go, okay, what's gotten stale? What resources do we know we need to use, but we're not using? What are we not doing consistently? But honestly, it's a time to reflect and to look backwards and say, this worked really well. We're really good at this. We've got to do more of this. This didn't work well. So we either we need to commit to it and fix it or understand we're going to go away from it. And I think that that's really kind of owning, like if something didn't work well, is because I just didn't have a system or a process or I didn't pay enough attention or is it just not something we need to be doing? So we're really deep into that now. And what are our strengths? What can we learn more from? I think this is the time of year where you get to own the successes and failures. I think failure is permanent. This is temporary, but what do we need to shift and what do we really need to grow in and what can we really do next year? So this is a great time that you can celebrate some successes. Yeah. Frankly, if your year didn't go well, suck it up buttercup because you got next year. The hardest part about our business is we don't get to really go, wow, this was such a great year. I'm just going to lollygag and hoo-ha through next year because guess what? You got to start all over. Like the efforts yep. don't just carry over. We don't get to say, I worked really hard a year ago. Great. It ain't going to just yeah. replicate, right? So I think it's the time to really look at that. And let's get into Mr. Huggins' superpower. And I asked you what you thought your superpower was. I could have told you because I think I know it, but what are you really good at? So I'm really good at finding a commonality with almost anybody. I live here in Nashville, Tennessee, a lot of SEC football fans from all over the Southeastern Conference, right? I'm a Georgia grad, so I've got a good bit of Georgia friends here. But whether it's outdoorsy stuff, fishing, hunting, hiking, playing golf, or I'm a big fan of the symphony, or whatever the case may be, when I find that commonality, it's very easy to make the conversation a lot more smooth and less just bulky. So I gave you an example earlier. It's like a, a guy I met a while back, and he's, he's a big hiker. And I said, hey, have you read the book 100 Hikes Within 100 Miles of Nashville? And he was like, no. Automatically, it built rapport with that person. It's $5.95 on Amazon. Go buy that book for him and send it to him and say, hey, just so you have a copy of this, hopefully you can knock some of these out this year. I wrote something like that in, inside the book. And it was just an easy way to build almost immediate rapport and trust with that person. I'm not a big hiker. I enjoy going on hikes. But I could care less about trying to find all these cool hikes all around Middle Tennessee. It's just not my jam. But for him, he was like, wow, he listened. Like he listened and he acted on it. That's my biggest superpower, if you want to call it that. I agree. I think building rapport, I would have said that whether you had agreed or not. I might have contradicted you, right? If you had been like, that's not it, I would have been like, no, no, this is it. But it's also that you heard. We want to be heard. If we're going to talk about things that we're passionate about, I mean, there's nothing better than leaving a meeting. And then you get this gift from someone that says, I really heard what you said. I really want to kind of further your interests. Nothing's better than that. And you and I both talked about, you love the book, Mr. Schmooze. I just, funny enough, read it two nights ago again. Like Mr. Schmooze, I feel like it's a little almost 
not comical, but so above board, but you're not. It's, you it's a little over the top, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you are not. You are like the Mr. Schmooze we want to be, right? Like you are just very relatable. You're super fun. You're great with people, but your VIPs are your superpower, right? So you're building rapport, but your VIP list that you take great care of, that take great care of you, that is your business. That's your superpower. Yeah, have fun with it. Yes. Because you're a golfer. I mean, you're a good yeah, golfer. And that's, yeah, I'm a pretty good golfer. Yeah, yes, I've hit a ball like once, so I can't, uh, but you're pretty good at it. Having fun with it. Like we have a mutual friend of you and I was visiting me here in Nashville, and he's a big golfer. And I took him to my country club. So we were going to meet in the morning. I told the guy at the bag drop, hey, my friend Dan's going to be in town. He's a mortgage guy. I would really love for you to just say hey to him, take care of him, lead him to the locker room. So then I tell the locker room attendant, hey, Dan, my buddy's going to be in town. He's in the mortgage industry, whatever. So then I go sit in the grill to wait for him. So we're going to have breakfast before we go play. And Dan walks in and he's like, Huggins, what did you do? He is like laughing. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, I get out of my car. Some dude needs to be in my car and grabs my bag and says, Mr. Dan, welcome to the club. How's the mortgage industry in Texas? And he's like, what are you talking about? So then he goes in the locker room. The locker room attendant's like, Dan, I got a locker for you right here. By the way, how's the mortgage industry in San Antonio? And he's like, dude, what is going on? And so it made Dan laugh, but it was something for me that I had a lot of fun with because it's like, I could have just said, Hey man, my friend Dan's going to be here. Just lead him to the locker room, grab a locker for him and then show him I'm in the grill. I could have done that, but I didn't. I just was like, Hey, he's from San Antonio and he's in the mortgage industry. That's all I said. The guys took it from there and had fun with it. So I enjoy having fun with it, especially with people that I love. I love Dan and, and just people like that. If you have people that are, you are in true relationship with, you can do stuff like that. Like you and I can do things that most people cannot do to one another because we are such good friends, right? But with that being said, you got to just know that the business will come. You can't be that guy that just goes aggressively at everybody. There is a sales style for people like that. It's just not mine. No, I agree. And I think that's the key, right? Who are you and what is natural to you? So you are a social yeah. person. You like to connect with people. You and I both I can make friends anywhere. You could drop me off on some island. I don't speak the language. I'm just going to be fine, right? Because I will talk family, especially my kids are like, stop. Do you have to talk to everyone? Yes, I do. Because I think you care. You probably don't, right? But I'm going to talk to you. But it's also caring about other people, wanting them to feel special. Like there's nothing better than feeling important and special. And I don't mean like egocentric, but feeling like it matters and that they care that you're there. And I think that's a huge thing that you're super good at. Again, I think people think it needs to be this massive gesture, right? Like we have to go out of our way and it's just that someone heard us or understands one of our favorites. It can be tiny. I'm into Harry Potter, into Star Wars and people are like, oh boy, but like it can be the smallest thing, right? Like I have this little journal and this little pen that's like this Harry Potter pen. I'm like, yay. Yes, I'm 15 yeah. years old. Yes, I yeah. Who was the first person I called when we went to Universal this past year? Yes. Time? There is nothing better <laughs> with my friends. Like you guys go to Universal and I get a picture of like the castle at Harry Potter World. And I'm like, yes, I wish I right. were here with you. Like take me instead of your kids, right? Like <laughs> you don't appreciate it, take Margie. But I think that's where it's like, that you think of me there means then you really know that's like my happy place. That's all people want. They want to feel connected. They want to feel like they're heard. They want to feel special. And so there's just, I think we think of all these massive things we need to do. And frankly, that's not. We joke around like we had a client meeting the other day and joked about all the silly stuff that I will not stay on air. And we're going to send her all these funny things from the meeting just to really think that was super fun. This was a yeah. great time we had. So I think we don't have to make massive gestures. We can just show that we care. And so so yeah. that is something you are definitely good at. I mean, you and I text each other. I laugh my butt off. It's just even a simple meme, like a funny meme. Yeah. We're all like, yes, that makes your day. Yeah. 
So I think think about those people you're connected with and what they love and what makes them laugh. And my team and I do that all day long. We send each other the most ridiculous stuff and it's just, we laugh. We have a great yeah. time. We just do, and it can be simple, but we're connected. So you're super yeah. that. And like I said, nothing I enjoy more than sometimes even a rude gesture that you send me when I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Not me. Yeah, I don't say which finger that I guess. So what do you think about it? Now, Alan, let's help some lenders right now because we have realtors and lenders listening. We're going to help some lenders, right? So Alan, anybody would want to work with you, be connected to you. Any lender would like to talk to you, right? And so let's talk about, so I'm a lender right now. Hey, I'm Margie. And I think, ooh, on my list or someone I want to connect with is Alan Huggins, okay? So I'm scared to call you, right? Because- your big Alan Huggins. So if I'm a lender and I wanted to call you, what's something I would say? I think you would agree with me on what they shouldn't do. Yes. Right? And that is don't have somebody else call me. So don't be that person that says, I'm Jill from John's office. John would really love to meet you. Well, if John really wants to meet me, John will call me himself. I was telling you earlier, I've gotten eight or 10 calls literally this month that have been from somebody else's either assistant or call service or whatever. You can guarantee I will not meet with you. Until you call me personally, I will not meet with you. But for those people that do call me, for me, it's about humility and persistence, right? So if you are humble, whether it's somebody that I talked to in the past and they haven't followed up over the last two or three years because they've just been so busy, whatever. If you open up the conversation with, hey, man, I've been really bad at following up with you over the last couple of years and I'm sorry and I'm committed to doing better moving forward. Okay, you're off on the right foot. I may not still meet with you right away, but you're off on the right foot. The other piece is for me, I don't care about product. I think you and I also agree here. Unless there is a product that you heard a need out of our conversation, don't bring up product. They all have FHA. They all have a 2-1 buy down. They all have a jumbo product or whatever it is. I don't really care. But if you are honest with me, honest with the client, and you can get the deal done, that's really all I care about. So for somebody that can tell me, hey, we, we have the best rate. We have the greatest products and we close on time. Great. Good for you. What is going to make me want to work with you? The lenders that I work with in town, they're not the showiest. They're not loud and out there in front of everybody. They're very humble. They do what they say they're going to do. If they don't, they immediately own it. That's nothing more I can't stand than a lender that just says, oh, the borrower didn't get me this on time and this happened and you didn't get the appraisal back on time. Well, that's not my problem. That should have been taken care of. So if you're a lender trying to meet with somebody, just be humble, be persistent. If they don't want to hear from you every week, don't call them every week. If they say, hey, follow up with me in a few weeks, cool. Take three or four weeks and then follow up. Hey, Alan, I'm following up. We talked a few weeks ago and you said to follow up in three or four weeks. More than likely, I'm going to give you a 30-minute Zoom call at best. But we had a guy that called us probably four years ago and called me once a month for four years and did a deal for a buyer on a property we had listed and crushed it. And so after we got it closed, I called him and I said, hey, man, let's sit down. Let's go have coffee. Four years of calling me once a month and he finally got some of our business. Right. But most people won't do that. So first I no. will also agree with you, but the, and then worse than that to me is I get a lot of texts. So I yeah. won't name, but there's someone I don't know that texts me pretty regularly and just says, hi, this is blank. I have this great product. Would like to talk to you about it. Nope. I delete the text because yeah. to me, it's like, yeah. I don't know where you are. I don't know you. Now, if I know you super right. well, my lender partner can text me all the time because we're friends and we're partners, but I don't know you. If you're going to make it, I'm going to be in your area and would love to meet with you. Great. So you've sent this to 852 people, like not interested. Right. 
So I would say the passively, not only having an assistant set something up, but texting is even worse. The other day, I wasn't here. Rachel, my director of ops was, and this guy walked in and said, hey, is Alan there? And he's like, no, he's out of the office. And she's like, can I help you with something? And he's like, oh, my name's so-and-so with this mortgage company. And he's like, do you mind if I leave my card? And Rachel's like, sure, fine, whatever. And she, he said, well, listen, Alan doesn't know me, but I'm looking to meet some top producers. And if there's 30 minutes on his calendar that I could either come to y'all's office or whatever, I would love an opportunity to just meet with him. And she gave me the card and said, hey, if you want to call this guy, whatever. Well, no joke. He called me yesterday and was like, hey, Alan, I left my card with Rachel in your office. One, he remembered her name. And he was like, I told her that if there's 30 minutes in your calendar, I would love an opportunity to just meet you. Blah, blah. That goes a long way with me. But he took the initiative to show up at my office to come to me and say, look, I'm not looking for anything right away. I understand this is a long-term deal, but if there's an opportunity, I can just meet with you. Great. Again, going back to kind of what we talked about earlier, the details. The fact that he remembered Rachel's name, that to me was huge. So many people, and I'm guilty of this too, but so many people forget names so easily. And it's just like, man, the fact that he was like, hey, Rachel in your office told me, I'm like, whoa, that's pretty cool. He went out of his way to stop by to say, hey, I don't really want to bother him, but I'd love to drop my card. And if I could get 30 minutes, I'd appreciate it. That's some effort. And he was polite to Rachel and remembered her name because our teams are very important to us. So I will tell you the flip 100%. side, be rude to my team. You'll never meet me. Like, like if you think you're going to be rude. 100%. Bye-bye. Like that is not going to happen, right? Like, nah. And that shows true yeah. character. How you treat your team totally. members. Or it's also fun to go out with people and see how they will treat servers or bartenders. Like, that's who you really are. So if you're going to be right. my assistant, see ya. Like, listen, yeah. Linda, it ain't going to happen. So, no, it's just true. I think people, it's funny. It's it like, it's going to be nice to me, but you can treat other people as a means to an end. We're not going anywhere. That's just not going to yeah. happen. Right? Like, I don't care. We had someone with a $2 million listing that was rude to Bethany. And I was like, listen, ain't going to happen. Like, I'm sorry. I will release you from your listing. And it was too much. Believe me, I really wanted a $2 million. I know. Let's just I know. I know your market. When he straightened <laughs> up, really, quite honestly, but it was like, this is not how we're going to treat anyone on my team. So I think you have to really believe that. But I think them going out of their way, huge. Not a lot of people do that, especially because the popular way is to, I'm going to text them that way when they don't answer. I didn't really have to make too much effort. Like, you're worth a lot of effort, Alan Huggins. You just are. So, I mean, they got to show that. <laughs> okay. So lenders, hope you heard that. That's what we're looking for. So Alan, if you're sitting right now and you're in front of a bunch of realtors and you're talking about 2023, the secrets to your success, like if they could like peel back the layers and go, all right, Huggins, give me the real stuff. What would you tell realtors about some of your success for 2023? The cheapest way to advertise is on the phone. We've known that. That's been kind of a staple of the coaching company that we've been a part of for so long. And it's the truth. I was very phone conscious, phone phobic. I mean, honestly, up until really the pandemic. And you and I talked about our market and how I talked to you throughout the pandemic, but we were locked down. My wife's father was really sick. So we weren't about to go out and try and bring to him whatever somebody else might bring. And so it forced me to get on the phone. And what I realized this past year is that about 70% of my leads come from phone calls. Wait, I need a little like hmm, moment. I want people to hear this because they're going to be like, yeah, uh -huh. 70% of your leads, 70, not seven, seven, zero percent of your leads come from the phone. Okay. Yeah. I just really wanted to stress this because people will be like, mm -hmm, that's great. Not going to do it. Not going to have no Huggins. Phones are for texting and for TikTok, right? Like, so 70%. Right. Now let's teach them how. 
we've talked about in, in coaching about five different theme days. And I think if I'm being brutally honest with myself and with my team, I'm really only doing three of those. And the three that I really focus on the most are my VIPs, the people in my world that either refer me to boats business are just super well-connected and are willing to connect me with anybody in their Rolodex. The second group is my current client. I have to talk to every one of our active buyers and sellers and people in escrow once a week, period. No questions asked, done. And then the third is my past client. I'm committed to talking to every one of my past clients three times a year. So we have a system implemented where I call a certain group of people every week. So typically I can call those three groups of people by the end of business on Wednesday. Thursday is usually a busy meeting day for me. And then Friday is kind of a half day in the office and then the other half at the country club. So let's help. So I'm a VIP. So I'm one of your 50. I'm very important. I feel very important now. You are. Make me feel important now. So if you're calling me, I've known you forever, so I get to have even extra fun on this. What's the secret to a great VIP call? So we talked about the commonality first, right? So that's something that I've already got with these people. I know what our common ground is, whether it's Georgia football or whether it's golf or whether it's whatever. And the second piece to that is I have all that in the notes section. So I use a CRM that allows me to take notes. And basically what it allows me to do is have everything from their all about you answers are in the notes, right? So I know if they've got an anniversary coming up or a birthday coming up or whatever. But one of the things that we talk about this time of year, as you can imagine, is my November calls were all about, hey, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? And when they answer those questions, I take notes so that then when I call them this month, I go, hey, hey, you said you were going to your mom and dad's in Cincinnati for Thanksgiving. How was it? How was the trip? How was the weather? Da, 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 da. Oh, and by the way, what are you doing for Christmas, right? So then in January, I can go back to those notes. Hey, you said you guys were going to New York with the family for a few days in between Christmas and New Year's. How was it? We're thinking about taking that trip with our kids. Tell me what y'all did, what worked, what didn't work, stuff like that. So just right there in the holiday season, there's three months worth of VIP calls that are, quite frankly, easy. Talk about Thanksgiving, talk about Christmas, and then talk about the two prior. And then what I do is I focus on... Each quarter, you can break it up. So like in February, most of our spring breaks are in March, right? So if I'm calling them in February, unless I have something from my January call that I can go back to, I just go to, well, do you guys have any plans for spring break here in the next month or so? Oh, yeah, we're going down to Punta Cana. Oh, cool. I've been down there. It's a fantastic area. We went swimming in these caves. It was really cool. If you want me to send you the notes, Hey, let me know. I'm happy to send you anything we did. And so then if I call them before spring break or after in March, I can then go, oh, how was Punta Cana? Did you go swim in those caves? Because, man, I tell you, that was awesome, right? If you can break it into quarterlies where you have something either centrally or around those that you can just focus on, hey, what are you doing moving forward? What did you do? How was your trip? Or stuff like that. And then in between, like we were talking about earlier, George is in the college football playoffs. Right. So a lot of the guys that I talk to are Georgia grads or Georgia fans. Hey, man, are you going down to Atlanta? We're three and a half hours away here in Nashville from Atlanta. Are you going to go to the semifinal game in Atlanta? And even better, are you going to fly out to L.A. if they win? So that's conversations that I'm having right now. But again, you just find those commonalities and then weave those in each quarter to what you want to talk about. Because once you start hearing them and they hear that you're listening, then all of a sudden the conversation just flows so much easier. Yes. 
So I think that's the key, those notes and then remembering what they said. And because we all like to talk about ourselves, let's just be honest, or that we've been heard. So I think that's a huge thing. And how did this go? But I'm also someone that's like, like, I'm going to the Caymans next week. I want to tell you all about it. I want to tell you what restaurant to go. I want to tell you where you should go snorkeling. You are making a mistake if you don't go there. Like, I feel very committed to this trip. So I've been there a lot of times. So I want to help you make this great trip too. So I think people that love Absolutely. to talk about that and say, like we were talking about Punta Cana, you got to go to the Cenotes and you got to go to Tulum and right. So it's like, there's nothing I want to do more than talk about like these great things that you can do that we enjoyed. So the share on the referrers in us really like to share that. So VIPs, you guys, notes, CRM, consistency, shut your mouth. Like you didn't say this before, but a quote that you gave me earlier that God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. And we know we're very interesting. Let's be more interested, right? Where again, IDs, not to say, but it's like, shush. So then, oh, well, and the current clients, let me just say, ooh, super fun. We put you on the market, hasn't sold yet. Well, Alan, I don't really want to call you because your house yeah. is still on the market. We call all yes. the buyers actively. And now and one of the things that you and I have talked about over the last few months is buyers are finally able to make offers again, right? With contingencies and be able to negotiate and stuff like that. So buyer weekly calls have become quite frankly easy just because, hey, I saw you made a couple of offers this week. How's it going? It looked like we didn't get it, blah, blah, blah. With sellers, what I found success in is setting timelines. If at the beginning we've set a price and we haven't necessarily agreed to that price, yes. then what I'll do is after that first week or two, I'll call the client and say, hey, look, it's Tuesday right now. If we don't have anything by the next Friday, so a week and a half from now, Let's you and I commit to sitting down and just talking over the phone, 15, 20 minutes about what we're going to do moving forward, whether that's price, marketing, whatever we talk about, right? So it basically takes all the pressure off of that call, but it also takes pressure off the next weekly call because on Tuesday, when I call you again, the next week, I go, hey, Marjorie, how was your weekend? What did y'all get into? Oh, cool. Yeah. So with the house, we had a busy weekend as from showings, but like we talked about last week, if we don't have anything about Friday, I've got 9 a.m. penciled in my calendar to talk to you about kind of the moving forward plan. Does that still work for you? Great. All right, cool. Well, I hope you have an awesome week and I'm hoping we don't have to talk Friday, but if we do, we'll talk at 9 a.m. on Friday. Great. Click. And it just, it allows me to prepare for that call and not be blindsided by something because I've set the expectation with the client. Hey, if we don't have anything by Friday, that's the time we're going to talk about it. We're not going to talk about it right now. I just want to find out how you're doing. How was your weekend? How's the family? Hey, you said your son was stop, not playing baseball anymore. How's he doing with that? So it's stuff like that, that it allows me to keep building rapport, which as we talked about earlier, I'm good at. And it takes away the pressure of having to talk about the elephant in the room. Yes, but you've also gotten their approval. We're going to talk about it Friday at nine. If a house doesn't sold by Friday at nine and eight days and now this four days or whatever yep. it is, I have permission to discuss this. So it's not like Alan's always asking me for price. All he asked me for is price adjustments, right? Like that's what we hear. Right. Like you beat me up for right. price reductions when really you're like, if you had listened to me in the first place, we wouldn't yep. be here, right? So that's the biggest thing. It ain't March. And it's a very long time until they're going to realize that. Now, past clients, do you do kind of the same with your past clients as your VIPs? You've got notes from communications past. 
We talk about most people. Now you, you're committed to the phone. If 70% of your business comes from the phone, I don't have to coach a lot on making calls because it's working. But like past clients, if you're calling them three times a year, let's say we're committed. Mm -hmm. Let's even say people will start with two. Let's just say you're not doing it. Let's get two times a year. What are two times, for example, like are you doing the letter of the week or you're calling them on an annual review or a birthday? What is your system? We never implemented an annual review. Again, for me, it's more out of sight, out of mind, right? I just don't want to be out of sight. So they're getting mailers from me. They're getting weekly email, little blasts of things to do in Nashville, stuff like that. So they're getting all the kind of drip campaign stuff. But three times a year, I called in and just talked to them. I asked some of the same questions that I know you ask in your annual reviews. But it's not a scripted kind of thing. It's going right back to kind of what I do on a monthly basis with the VIPs. And that is, hey, you mentioned last time you guys were going to take a trip to whatever. How did that trip go? Oh, my God, Alan, that was, what, three months ago? I Gosh, I can't even think back that far. Oh, gosh, I know. Life has gotten so crazy. What are y'all just busy with kids stuff or what? Because I know all their information from the notes that I've taken. So I can quickly pivot away from, hey, they don't want to talk about that trip because, quite frankly, they'll remember it to going, okay, I know that Maggie and me are extremely busy with the kids stuff right now. And they have kids the same age as us. And you can go, well, you got a bunch of kids stuff going on. I know it's like basketball season for a lot of kids and it's kind of bleeding into soccer season and da, 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 da. And that will typically lead us into a very comfortable conversation to which I can then kind of go, well, cool. Well, how's the house? Is everything good with the house? Do you need anything? Do you need any kind of maintenance work? Is there any kind of honey-do list or something that we can help. I've got a bunch of maintenance crews that I can pretty much get over there within a week or so. So if there's anything like that that you need, just know that we're here and we can help out. That's about the only housing stuff I talk about on that call. Because I know I'm going to talk to them in four months and I could probably work on, but I am not good at asking for business on those calls. I'm not either. I just... I want to typically just build rapport, let them know that I'm here and go, great. I could probably do a better job and figure out a way to, to ask and not sound so salesy. But for me, it's just one of those things that I've got to work on because I think it is one of those areas where I'm losing some leads. Well, let's be fair. 70% of your business coming from your phone calls, I would hardly call it as a failure, but I also think it's a genuine relationship. I think there's trigger words, right? Like if they say, oh my gosh, you're so fantastic with these calls, what would we do without you? I do think like there's this balance of, is it a relationship or am I trying to sell them something? And I think though, with you being in that regular contact with them, they are going to think of you. And when they're reaching out to you for who's your doctor, who's your dentist, who's your contractor, can you help me with pink colors, right? Then they're definitely going to call you Mm -hmm. when they need that help. But you're part of their lives and that's why you're continuing that business. So I think there is that way that's not super schmarmy salesperson. And I'm the same way. We coach this stuff. I yell at my students when it's like, it gave you a compliment. How'd you not ask for a referral? And then they call me and they're like, you right. guys are great. And I love your team. I'm like, thank you. That was like, hello. That was the referral moment. Like that's when you ask. And I, I literally teach this and I'm awful at it because when I feel like I've earned it, I'm like, let's go, let's help Margie. But the rest of the time it's like, yeah, I'm here. So I think it's this thing that we can refine somehow, but we also don't ever want it to be that, oh, well, they called me for a referral, right? There's that balance. Right. What's the point of this call? So yes, we can all get better. But again, I think where most people are really, really bad at the phone. Like I will tell you, most people, it's like, oh, I can send mail. I am the the postmaster general's favorite person. Like, and then like I can video. I am the queen of like, I can send a video. We can come up with every excuse in the book. Why not to call, right? I mean, it's like, what would I say? Well, here, I just gave you two or three things you could say right now. 
Well, but what if they just don't answer? Well, what if you don't know? Have any of them ever hung up on you? No. Have any of them cussed you out? No. The worst case, a guy that was like, Huggins, you don't need to follow up with me this often. And I'm like, okay, I totally get it. He's like, like, I'm just busy and I feel bad if I don't call you back. So he's like, yeah. And I'm like, dude, if you don't call me back, I don't take it personally. It's okay. But he's a good enough friend that he's a guy that I see, not regularly, but I see him every once in a while. And we've always been close. We have some clients too that are like, hey, thank you so much for keeping up with us. We'll reach out to you when you need us. Then we put them on like the do not call, do not disturb. I might just... Christmas card. There's some people that want to be in relationship with us. There are some people that just are like, I will contact you when I need you. Cool. I prefer to know, but it's rare. And there's like five people in our entire database that have basically said, we love you. Don't worry. We're calling you, but you don't need to follow. All right. Most people appreciate it, even if they don't acknowledge it. And I think the mistake we all make is, oh, well, either they don't call me back or they don't come to an event. Well, as you and I know, having done this as long as we have eight years later, it's like, oh my, I mean, your cards and your helpful mailings. I'm like, seriously, like I never heard from you. You never picked yeah. up your pumpkin. Like you never came to a movie, but they love the invite. They love being thought of. So look, some people are just busy enough that, right? They don't need to be your friend actively, but they appreciate the thought. So I think Absolutely. if we're waiting for the acknowledgement, if we're waiting for big thank yous, if we're waiting for them always calling you back, we're going to quit everything because everyone's really busy in what they do. But you're like a genius relationship maker. So that's like your superpower. Like we could put a cape on you. To your point, it's funny, like the sustainable business in both of our worlds, whether you're a lender or a realtor are relationship businesses. So a lot of these guys, whether they've been getting leads from online or whether they've been a part of a a loan program that's mostly refis or whatever, at some point you will understand and whether it's what gets you out of the business or not, or keeps you going, the only sustainable business of what we do just in these two industries is going to be relational because the guys that we see, especially on the lending side right now, because those guys have been getting crushed over the last four or five months. I mean, the ones that I know are typically down somewhere between 40 and 60%. But what you're seeing is the guys that are still having the best success are the ones that have stayed in touch with their past clients, who have stayed in touch with their realtors that send them business, who have truly looked at it as a relational business and less as a transactional one. And those are the guys that when this thing flushes out, what an NAR came out, so they expect 35% of the realtors not to renew their license this year. Well, that 65% more than likely is going to be the 65% that has been relational as opposed to transactional. Right. I also think that there was also a statistic that's like 65% of the realtors, ironically on these numbers, got in since the last downturn, right? Came in 2012 or whatever it is when we were coming out of the last downturn. So you have to understand there's going to be consistent changes. It is what it is. There's going to be years that are easier. They're going to be harder. We're going to have higher rates, lower rates, more people buying, less people buying. It is just the economy and the way it is. And if people stay consistent in the relationships then your business will not have as large of an up and down. Look, if like I'm a big database person, if my database is going from moving every four to seven years to every 10 to 15, that's a shift. I've got to fill that void, right? I've got to figure out more VIP relationships. What is it to fill some of those gaps, more referrals from the people not moving, right? So we have to pay attention to those things. And I think most people, it's a little bit like the turtle with the head in the sand, like, uh uh-oh, like it's changing, yeah. And it's going to change again. Well, to that point, I read a quote the other day. They said 90% of success is just showing up. And I think that the people over the next year or however long this thing takes to flush out, the people that just show up are the people that will succeed. They may not 
thrive. They may not have their best year ever, but they'll make it. And that's what I found through 07 and 08. I joke that I had brand new, newly married in mid 07. So I had a, a wife and two dogs and a very small mortgage. And then the world came to an end, right? And so I didn't know my what from my elbow. And I'm sitting there going, well, thankfully, I've got very little that I have to worry about as far as small mortgage, wife, two dogs, whatever. Well, now I've still got the two dogs, still have the wife. I've added two kids and a much larger mortgage. So I've got to show up every day, right? I have no excuse at this point not to show up. Well, this is your business that sustains your life. And I think a lot of people got into real estate because I always laugh at this, right? Like people that call me, they're like, it's so fun. It's so fun. Like, oh my gosh. And then you can work when you want. Seriously? Yeah. Okay. Like, right. That's not quite how this works. Right. And oh my gosh, look what you made on this house. Yes. I only showed you houses for 19 years and you finally closed. Right. And the 17 offers you didn't get, like, I think there's always this success story that people don't understand the 27 years it took to get there. But I do think this is a great business, but it's a business. We have to go to work every day. We have to have systems and profit and loss statements. I'm working harder now than I've probably ever worked. And it is just what it is. So this fallacy of this success without work or without investment or without team members or without relationships is crazy, right? Like that's just not Mm -hmm. how this works. And you are a testament to that. And I know this because like I said, you and I were on many calls. We competed a lot. Yes, you beat me some. I'd like, I know I beat you. I'll look back in the records. I'll find it. I'll do it as a PS on this. I'll be like, I beat him. I promise. 2010, (laughs) whenever it was, I know I did. But that's something to think about too. Like you and I I think brought each other through these years because we were, yes, in some ways competitors, but not really we're in different geographical areas, but we motivated each other, right? So I think if people look, find the books that motivate you, find the friends and competitors that motivate you, find the coaches that motivate you. And also like, I'm sorry, the news is what it is. My favorite quote is I've heard there's going to be a recession. I've decided not to participate. Like whatever, I got to go to work. Well, all those things you just mentioned, whether it's peers, coaches, whatever, it will help you take, at least for me, it does, takes my mind away from the headlines and focuses on what I can truly control. A good friend of you and I told me the other day, how much time are you spending on things that are 100% out of your control? And how much time are you spending worrying about things that are 100% in your control? I think if most of us look in the mirror, we realize that most of our anxiety and most of our worry is from the things that are 100% out of our control. If I can focus on the things that are 100% in my control, it takes away a lot of that anxiety because I just don't have time to think about the other stuff. Yes. And also when you watch the news all day and and the funny part is just watch it. They're like, I think we're in a recession. We're heading into a recession. We're in a recession. We might be in a recession. We're just totally in a recession. Nobody knows. It's like, guess what? None of that matters. I got to go to work. I got to make my phone calls. I got to help my clients who need me. You know, I've got to take care of my team and I got to support my family. I don't get to call Truist or whoever has my mortgage now and go, what? Listen, bud, it's been a tough month, right? And I'll call you in a couple months. (laughs) I'm just electing not to pay you right now because that's cool, right? Like that's just not how this works. So we got to work. And, but we can also find how we can help people. Also, who's moving? Why are they moving? Pay attention. Don't just say, oh, well, it all stinks. Well, some of it does. I'm like, is it as much fun? Eh, 
all the time, yeah. but I'm still having a good time. And I think people like you will work through it. You'll take better care of your people. You'll continue to grow. You held yourself accountable. You're held accountable. And I'm always going to be here to give you a hard time is really what's the truth. Always. Alan, thank you so much for joining me on Real Estate Unscripted. Obviously, you and I will talk a lot more. I really wish everyone who was listening had a chance to know you because you're fabulous. If anyone's going to Nashville, Tennessee, you look up Alan Huggins. He is the best. And definitely you got to work with him. So Alan, thank you so much for joining me today. It's my pleasure. I love you very much. And I look forward to hopefully seeing your face then. You will, I promise, because you invited our other friends. I'm coming to stay in your new house. <laughs> love it. Come on, more the merrier. I'm on my way. Real Estate Unscripted is sponsored by Alcova Mortgage. Alcova is committed to simplifying the mortgage process. Check out the tools we offer to realtors and homebuyers at alcova.com slash realtors. Alcova Mortgage, equal housing lender, NMLS ID number 40508, org. Before we go, please show us some love by subscribing on your listening platform of choice and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you share this with your friends and be sure to listen in next week. Until then, this is Marjorie Adam. Don't forget to check out the show notes for a recap. This podcast was made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support.